You're on. Try not to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you right. not despair that we are actually so unprofessional? I I listened to a proper Christian podcast, The Liturgists, right. hmm. um, interviewing Richard Raw, and just got quietly more and more depressed at their sheer professionalism. I think in a Michael Gove way, the world has had enough of experts. <laughs> Let's hope so. I think I think I think we're the antidote to expertise. <laughs> well, let, let us pray that is so, because yeah. we could have a long career if that's true. We could. Yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. Thanks. My name's Nick Pate. Thank. Well, I assumed you were welcoming me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Joe, welcome to the Mid Faith Crisis Podcast. It's great to be here. Thank good, you. Good welcome to yourself. You. Um, thank you. I'm going to welcome myself, Nick. Welcome to the Mid Faith Crisis Podcast. This is episode twenty-eight. No, no, twenty-nine. Wrong. Episode twenty-nine. Oh, you're so unprofessional. I'm, uh, I'm putting everything down to jet lag today. <laughs> Absolutely everything. Welcome back. Thank you. So come thank on, you. look. How was it? Uh, it was great. Yeah, Come USA on. is great. Yeah, isn't it? Um, I'm amazed they let my wife and I in, but you know that's how it goes. <laughs> and um, yeah, they know how to look after you. Wonderful. So the high, no, good. Come on, the highlight of your time now. I saw some amazing pictures of a glass museum and things. But what was yeah. what was your favourite bit of the whole thing? Oh well, the colours. We drove. We I flew into Vancouver and we drove down from there and um to uh, this uh, town called Moses Lake. Well, I was speaking. Hello to everybody at Moses Lake, by the way. Mm. Wonderful people. And um, the colours. Of the trees were just astonishing. It was flames and fire. It was just wonderful, Great. glorious stuff. Brilliant. And the beer was very, very good indeed. Good. Say. Shame about so, the company. John, he's, yes, well, you have to endure these kinds of things. I think the thing for me, the big surprise, was how much I absolutely loved the USA because obviously you get one picture of it over here. Mm. You only hear the bad things on the news. You only get to hear about Trump or worse still shootings. And there was another one, of course, mm. uh, recently, which is awful. But but actually, it is a beautiful country and there are some genuinely fabulous people. Oh, lovely. And, 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 I think, and John Roberts as well. And John Roberts. Yeah, yeah. And, but I, what, I, what I found, because I, I haven't been there as much as you have. You've been there quite a lot. I haven't been there as much. I find it's because my only really understanding of America is mediated through um, different media, through mm. film and TV and mm. books. <laughs> I'm myself taken aback by everything that happens that's out of those things, like yeah. the train noises. And that. Yeah. in Seattle, just it's the first time I'd been in a city with a big high rises kind of yeah. thing in. And so you see the alleyways where people drive through in cop serials, you know, yeah. these little alleyways between them. <laughs> and I, I, I insisted on having a photo taken with me posing moodily and. Springsteen like I felt in an alleyway that's how you imagined that look that's how I imagined it I don't think it was like that at all but you know um yeah it was great great people and oh now I met this is brilliant I met two guys from Vancouver who are part of the Barley Brethren so a big hello to the Barley Brethren let me tell you about the Barley Brethren yeah yeah so the Barley Brethren is a men's group that meet and their their motto is six guys Six weeks, six beers. Beautiful. And <laughs> how does that work? So, you know, they, they it, what it was is originally they sort of committed to meet up as a group of, um, uh, of friends exploring mm. God. But, but you know, um, 
and each week they'll try a different craft beer. Right. Uh, and they talk about it, and then they talk about what's going on in their lives. They talk about, but actually, they also each week now they listen to the podcast and then discuss it. <laughs> which, which, well, is we, which is clever when we only do one a fortnight. I know, but also, well, I suppose they're on beer, right? They're drinking a lot of beer, aren't they? So they <laughs> probably can't remember right, if they've yeah. heard it twice. Anyway, um, yeah, and they've been going for, although they met up for yeah. six weeks initially, yeah. they've been going ever since, and they're, okay. they're just lovely people. So hello, hello to the well, to, hello. Uh, Barley Brethren, and um, yeah. yeah, wonderful. And invite us out there together. Yes, Thank yes. You. Okay. So uh, anyway, meanwhile, you back in your poor, pathetic, unglamorous little world yes you've been doing (laughs) not a lot i've been to the cinema seen two great films while you were i seen uh saw thor which was i've seen thor excuse me oh have you okay yeah that was funny wasn't it very funny new characters new things like the only thing i think is it's got a little bit silly now like there's no gravitas is there to thor He's like well, hanging around that. making funny jokes. Yes, I felt the problem was it. It didn't. Um, it but, was very funny, but it it sort of didn't navigate the difference between the humour and the serious. So it's no. hard to switch out of the humour and to get yeah, like exactly. you said, any sort of seriousness to it because it was just it was it, he was a bit of a buffoon at points, you know. But I still think I'd rather see a Thor film that was funny than a Thor film that wasn't. Yes, true. The guy I went with has pointed out that Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor, so it had that more Shakespearean yes. feel to it. Kenneth Branagh. A Kenneth Branagh, which Branagh. was the subject of the second second film, Murder on the Orient Express, which was superb. All star oh, lineup, like as you know. Yeah, I did like it. It was good fun. Yeah, Don't was good tell fun. me who did it. Bits was it the butler? No, no, I can't possibly tell you, but yes, of course it was. Ticket collector. <laughs> anyway, yes. Good. Good stuff. So, um,. Yeah, but that's it. Life trundles along uh, like you do. Shall we get on with this? Because we need to be pithy, as you once yes, said. Yes, we do. Pith is our watchword. Yes, indeed. Pith, 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 <laughs> pith, pith, pith. Thank you. Okay. Thank well, you. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you. The first one is from Phil, uh, who wrote in with a reply to Gareth's email last time. Gareth, you may remember, wrote in with an email about heaven and uh, and dying last time mm. on a more upbeat note. Anyway, uh, Phil, the, what I thought was lovely about this is Phil wrote in and he, he wanted to reply and so I forwarded it on and he was quoting Adrian Plass. Don't you know Adrian Plass? Uh, yes, yes, I know Adrian. A nice guy. The point is, lovely thanks, guy. Phil. Thanks for writing in as ever. I won't read it all out. David wrote in saying, uh, thanks for creating this podcast. It has been really helpful. I won't praise it too much as it will get blah, blah, blah out. Absolutely right. And he wrote a lovely email, actually. But he says, in response to your lots of books episode uh he says messy spirituality by mike yacanelli having struggled with the idea that my spirituality and worship style doesn't really fit with any of the churches i've attended or preached at he says i'm a methodist local preacher Uh, this book gave me hope the book has taught me the most about being a human and loving all that is god's wonderful creation is tuesdays with maury by mitch album He says, how someone who loses so much but still has so much to give until the very end is inspiring and heartwarming. There are also lessons about grace, and I could go on, but I won't. So thank you, David, for that. Thank you uh, you very much. And thank you for this correspondence on on books. This is great. Mm. And then Peter wrote in, he says, hi, Joe and Nick, a great podcast with lovely recommendations. Thank you. Loved a reminder of Nuon's book. Just rushed out to bought two copies for presents. I'm running the risk of Nick picking up a stone to throw at me in brackets again. But when my, did I do that before? I, I don't remember that. I just, oh. just assumed this is you just went round there and threw a stone at him. But anyway, I am so, a violent person. You are, yeah, he 
says, but my choice is Tara Brach's book, Radical Acceptance. While she comes from a Buddhist perspective, her teaching on self-acceptance and compassion has transformed both my understanding and my personal experience of forgiveness. And this is rich material, which takes you on a path of healing and growth and is drawn from her own work, both with herself and her clients, working as a psychotherapist with those who suffered abuse. For those of us who grew up in strict religious environments, absorbing sometimes harsh and judgmental messages, this is a tonic which will open your heart and enlarge your appreciation of the true meaning of grace. And then he says, have a great trip, Nick. Which no, you did. Thank you. Well, that's, I, I, I'm not going to throw a stone at you for that, Peter. That's a very interesting... Um... Book. Yeah. I have to look it out. So it looks good, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. And oh. Hannah said, I loved the book's episode. Thank you for the recommendations. Amazon is also very happy, my bank account less so. And there's a very <laughs> real danger that my to be read pile will soon topple over and crush me in my sleep. My own personal favourites include, and here they come, Tom Wright's Surprised My Hope, which uh, first truly introduced me to the idea that hymn lyrics could be theologically unsound. James, <laughs> James K.A. Smith's Cultural Liturgies book, Imagining the Kingdom and Desiring the Kingdom, which have made me rethink that what matters to me in a church service and community. Greg Boyd's Benefit of the Doubt, which made me feel more comfortable talking about my own doubt without scaring everyone who loves me and wants me to go to heaven. And, and I don't know if I'm going to say this right. Uh, Miroslav... Wolf, is that right? Wolf. Yeah. Miroslav Wolf. There you are. Without scare, <laughs> he says, exclusion and embrace, which opened up the image of the cross for me in an incredible way. This year's top tip is Tish Harrison Warren's Liturgy of the Ordinary, which looks for God in the everyday things, and you will never sit in traffic in the same way again. Oh, Thank you very much, Hannah. Thanks for that. I, I'm going to look out some of those. They look great. I think what we'll do, Joe, is we'll try and put a list of all these titles on the... Um, on the web page so that'd be great interested they can thank you chase them up thank you that's good and okay so david who uh, incidentally is from ballarat near melbourne in australia so anyway he says uh well first of all thank you for your comments dave about the show but blah 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 as we all know he says here are my five top books the pastor by eugene peterson why christianity must change or die by john spong why did jesus spong. Yeah. Spong. Spong. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> Spong. Did the Spong alarm go off? Anyway. <laughs> Why did Jesus, Moses, and Muhammad cross the road by Brian McLaren? A History of God by Karen Armstrong and the Gnostic Gospels by Elaine Pagels. But on another day, I would I could produce a different list. The books from the 80s and 90s by Morton Kelsey are also a good read, so add any of them to the pile. Mind you, he says, and I thought you'd like this, I've enjoyed Nick's book on Revelation and the nearly infallible history of the Reformation, which if I were teaching, of course, would make preliminary reading. Well, go. thank you. How about that? Thank you. Uh, it shows that sort of completely devalues any recommendations you've made earlier. Can I just say that quite clearly? <laughs> okay, and this is Lee, a uh, lovely uh, lady from South Africa, um, uh, who says, I really enjoyed the last podcast and will definitely be looking up the titles you mentioned. I'd also love to hear more about Rachel's journey. If she's up for it, maybe you can interview her about her experiences. You see, the, I, I was afraid this would yes, happen. It, this is exactly, yes, exactly what I was afraid this, of. Yeah, knew. precisely. We knew it was coming. Didn't she's we? come on here. She's grabbed the attention. Yeah, exactly. And the listeners' hearts. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, she touched on the fact that for women generally, a mid-faith crisis has the further dimensions of not only trying to figure out all the God stuff, but trying to untangle it from the male-centric expressions that have dominated Christian faith oh. for so many years. So it's always interesting to hear from women who've gone through it. You asked about books that meant a lot to us on our journeys. There are a few, but I wanted to mention Barbara Brown Taylor's An Altar in the World specifically. It's a kind of guide to living a fuller faith, one that allows itself to colour outside the lines. I think it's her book that first really allowed me 
to allow myself to see God and faith differently from the very rigid way that I'd experienced it up until that point. And that is a great book. And uh, yeah. I love it. that phrase, uh, a faith that allows itself to colour outside the lines. Isn't that good? Isn't that That's a yeah. lovely phrase. Yeah, we we'll steal really that nice. one for the book. Yes, yeah. indeed. I shall claim that one. Okay, so uh, there's a couple of things to do. Now, I want to invite people to something. It's quite soon. Um, Go but, on then. Okay, is that right? So Friday the 24th of this month, November 2017, because mm. mm. probably need to say that depending when you're listening to this. So that's just uh, not far away at all. A fortnight, you could say. So uh, uh, Friday, the 24th of November at Westminster Central Hall in the City of London, um, there is an event put on by Renovare, which is an organisation I'm a part of that seeks to just help people become more Christ-like in a nutshell. And it's, it's just a day of really good things. And one of the things I'm going to be talking about in an interview that is just coming out is about spiritual disciplines. And really, Renovare has had such a significant impact, I think, on discipleship in um, in the usa and here and increasingly all over the world and uh, i'll be there and i'd love to meet any listeners who are, who would like to come along it's free it won't cost you anything you can make a donation i think that'd be great but it runs from 10 to 4 o'clock and if you want to find out about that take yourself to renovarelife.org forward slash events so it's renovare which i should say is spelled r-e-n-o-v-a-r-e and then life mm-hmm dot org so if you get yourself to renovarelife.org you can you can click on a button get yourself along to that day from 10 till 4 and it will be a really good day of discussion uh, on on how we actually become more christ-like really practical great yeah so there good. well i'm that hoping plug, to be there myself it? i'm hoping to be there myself but, I'm, um, but yeah. i can't commit to these things obviously i'm no. too i'm too big yeah, of course you Too are. important. And something better might be... You might get invited to something better the night before, so don't commit. That's the key thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Live in hope. Uh, anyway, we should get on, because we uh, what we're going to do in this episode is we've got another interview. We have. And can I just say, yeah. you are really good. This is You are really good at interviewing. Oh. Can I say that? Well, you can't accept I don't know how to react when you're nice to me. No, <laughs> for me... before. Stop it. No, you are really good. For me, the moments when you shut up and somebody else talks are some of the highlights <laughs> That's of better. this very podcast. <laughs> yeah, that, that I genuinely understand. Well, no, I'm, you are... Gen- no, it's just a genuine... I've, I, this interview's great. And well, I, uh, I think you're a very good interviewer, genuinely. I, I've yet to interview anyone I don't really love. And this is with Roy Searle, who is like Yoda for me. In more ways than one. A, he is full of wisdom. Um, mm. And uh, he's like an elder figure. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I seek out wise people. And there's not as many as you might want. No. But Roy, you know, and he'd be incredibly embarrassed to hear this. Hopefully he won't listen to it. Um, but he's just a wise person. He's a founder of the Northumbria community. He is also a fellow Baptist minister, although you wouldn't think so. And he is... He's a lovely, lovely man. And um, yeah, he's about the size of Yoda as well. Yes. Now, now well, he I probably won't that. listen to it because uh, like Yoda, he lives up in Northumbria in a cave, doesn't <laughs> he, does, he? He does like to hang so out in like caves. A, a mossy swamp or something, yeah. I think. Yeah. Anyway, so, let's oh, listen, listen to this. Oh, do you want to say any more about this interview? I want to say a little thank you. Thank you to David. I'm not going to say why. You know who you are. You're a lovely man and we really appreciate it. This is recorded on the old-fashioned equipment because we haven't got the new equipment yet. 
That's all I'm going to say. Oh, right, great. Yeah, I appreciate. I, I understand that. Thanks, David. Now, uh, so let's have this interview, and then we'll we'll pick up afterwards. This is Joe Davis interviewing Roy Searle. Well, Roy, uh, welcome to the Mid Faith Crisis, and thank you uh, so much for being here. I'm here with my dear friend Roy Searle, who's one of the founders of the Northumbria community. Why don't you just Why don't we just start with that? What What's the Northumbria community? What? How? Where? When? Why? <laughs> As a starter. As a starter. Yeah, well, it's good to be with you. Um, Northumbria community, yeah, it's a bunch of friends, actually two groups of friends back in the late 1980s who uh, had no intention to form a, a community whatsoever, but actually needed relationships and the space to ask questions mm. about what does it mean to seek God in a, in a changing world? What does it really mean to follow the radical Christ? In, a, in an emerging post-Christendom, uh, you know, context. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that we were so busily engaged in within church, with our, for me, you know, charismatic evangelical mm. activism, mm. Uh, just looking for something that was kind of deeper, but mm. mostly space. And it was, asking, it was asking questions with friends that there emerged this, this community, this call of God upon our lives to... You know, to seek him and to explore a different way of, of living out the faith. And, you know, from very small beginnings, a community is formed. And now, you know, 30 years on, it's, a, you know, it's a community that has companions and friends literally across the globe. And, and we've drawn a lot of inspiration from, you know, and from Northumberland. We drew a lot of inspiration from the Celtic saints, mm. who in turn were inspired by the Desert Fathers, who in turn mm. were influenced by the Johannine tradition. Um so, you know, new monastic spirituality, you know, uh, asking the questions, seeking to live the life, living with the questions. Yeah. Okay. Well, questions is, is sort of, a, that's a nice segue into kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. I, I mean, when I, when Nick and I first talked about doing the podcast, I thought you'd be such a helpful person. You really helped me in my mid-faith crisis. I don't know if you remember. One of the first times we met, I came up to London to meet you. And I, I, you know, I as a young, keen Baptist minister was really struggling. And I said, oh, I just don't know what to do. I'd go out of one church and everything. And I said, I don't like going to church on a Sunday. And you just said, you just said, go for a walk. <laughs> and it's funny, you just, I didn't really realise I was seeking permission, but you gave me permission to take a break. Right, okay. Uh, for me. It was so helpful. And then you've been you've been a huge help to me. And of course, we, we oh, well, work, we work, we work together, at Renovare well, yeah. together, yep. which is wonderful. But uh, I guess, you know, part of this podcast was really uh, came out of a desire from Nick and I to really, you know, just talk to this ever-expanding group of people who are scratching their heads going, mm-hmm. oh, I don't get it anymore. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. And I know you spend a lot of time with leaders. What are you finding as you travel up and down the country uh, is question one and question two is is how are you able to help people well i don't know if i help them well, you do. Uh, what am i pick what am i picking up um i, I think we live in a, in a culture of such frenetic busyness and activism and actually that is damaging people you know spiritually mm-hmm. psychologically relationally emotionally mm-hmm. physically all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and, and, and ministers and church leaders are not immune from being caught up in that uh, consumer culture of expectation, demand. And it's actually damaging and destroying our souls. Mm, yeah. uh, so I find yeah. that, you know, 
because of the pressure to perform, the pressure to deliver, you know, outwardly, people are kind of doing the stuff. Mm. Some of them just about hanging on in there. Yeah. But actually, inwardly, there's a there's a real crisis. Mm. There's a real kind of uh, what is going on here. Mm. Um, mm. And, I, you know, I mean, that's that could be perceived as negative. But actually, maybe we're being brought to a place that out of our desperation, we can ask the questions, explore faith, go mm. deeper. I think in in you know the hunger of the human heart of many leaders that I meet is a is a thirst for for authenticity, mm. uh, for something that is real, for something that is allowed not only to go for a walk, but actually to to, to ask the questions that may be perceived to be heretical. Yeah. But actually, yeah. they're they're questions of real hunger and thirst after yeah. God. Uh, you know, is you know what's this all about basically? Yeah. Which which. You know, as we move through all the kind of uncertainties culturally and as a church, you can either lapse into a kind of a rigid fundamentalism that holds on tightly. Yeah, that to digs what, in even deeper. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or you can take the risk and say, actually, I'm 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 going to ask the questions and uh, with no certainty or guarantee or assurance of the answers that may come. But actually, that can lead to to deeper faith, to mm. to, to transforming faith. So I see that the, the problems, you know, Kennedy talked about, John Kennedy, you know, turn a problem upside down, you've got opportunity. And I think the problems and the challenges we face can be, by God's grace, real opportunities mm. to find a, you know, a deeper, meaningful way mm. of living. Mm. I mean, I mean, I know you spent, you're, you're a brother in the Baptist tradition and, and mm. we're both Baptist ministers, but and, and I don't think we should talk exclusively about the Baptist tradition, but it's the one we know. And mm-hmm. certainly when I was at college, spiritual formation wasn't much on the agenda. I know, you, I know it is now and it's yeah. being taught, but it always struck me that you learnt a lot at college. You learnt a lot of stuff. Um, but so little of it was really <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> when, you, when you actually arrived yeah, at ministry yeah. and you were just, you know, were facing issues to do with power and control mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, and insecurities and things. And none of my training sort of equipped me yeah. for the stuff that I'd be spending 90% of my time wow. dealing wow. with. Yeah. And, and I guess the other thing is that I, I, I don't... I, I just don't really feel I had a toolkit of spiritual disciplines to, to deal with the anxiety and the, the difficulties. And what I wanted to ask you, there's yeah. fear all around and there's, there's insecure, job insecurity, there's, there's huge divisions in our society. What are the spiritual practices that maybe we've lost that we should maybe think about recovering pretty urgently, do you think? That'd be just for normal yeah. Christians trying to live a Christ-like life. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean the context uh, in which we meet and, and now we live is of an incredibly turbulent world. Mm. I think these are the most disturbing times that I've ever known in my lifetime. And I could weep when I think about my, my mm. grandchildren and mm. uh, what we are bequeathing to them. If that's the context, um, you know, God is, is Lord of all history. Mm. And, you know, he remains God in, mm. in times of good and bad and I fear emerging ugly. I think the spiritual disciplines that we've always needed are disciplines that remind us of what is at the heart of the faith, which is relationship with God. I think we need those spiritual disciplines that will deliver us from the 
consumer commodity orientated faith that is about running programs, you know, mm. uh, running churches. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think, I mean, my wife and I actually went to a Bible college. Um, we both come from unchurched backgrounds, went to a Bible college, big emphasis on, you know, missionary, this, that and the mm. other. But, but actually there was a strong emphasis on the spiritual disciplines. And back in the late 70s, I came across Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline as a, mm. as a new believer in a yeah. Bible college setting. And uh, I, I found that really transformative because, mm. you know, the spiritual disciplines deal with the transformation of the, of the in what Northumbria community talk about, the landscape of the heart, the inner journey. Mm. So it's not so much about outward performance, mm. not mm. so much about the flipping programs, mm. the latest mm. initiative, the next mm. strategy, <laughs> you know, the, the, the next vision. I'm just <laughs> weary of all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> But actually, I want spiritual disciplines that will help me to be transformed in my life so that my life can be orientated towards God, can, can be deeper in my relationship with God, can help me to be, mm. to be more self-aware. You know, because, mm. you know, for me, the, the discipline of contemplation, the place of solitude and silence is not only kind of being exposed to the love and mercy of God, mm. but actually being made aware of who you are, those things in the heart mm. that, that trigger the fears and the anxieties. And, the, and spending and the time is difficult. Are you an yeah. extrovert like me? No, 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 no. I'm an introvert. Are I'm, you? I'm INFP. It's so, you're so hard to figure out because I only ever see you really up front doing, you know, can, sort of do, outward going things. So I can hard. do the stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I live, hey, I live 430 miles away from this uh, <laughs> yeah. haven of hospitality that is your home and the warmth <laughs> of the South Coast. Um, yeah. So I spend a lot of time traveling and traveling affords me that kind of solitude. Yeah. It, it affords me the time of reflection. I mean, I've got yeah. a full day today with lots of people. I really enjoy it. I'll be stimulated by it. But actually, I need space. Yeah. And, and I think for all of us, whether introvert or extrovert, yeah. and, and some disciplines come easier than others. Yeah, yeah. But actually, we've got to create and cultivate those those moments and periods and build in the disciplines in our life of, of stillness and solitude and listening to God, listening yeah. to God and listening to our own hearts. You know, pay attention to your own hearts. Well, what does that mean? How would I pay attention to my own heart? Let's just say, for argument's sake, that I'm quite anxious at the moment, which coincidentally I am. Right. Um, how would I go about listening to my own heart? Well... First of all, possibly by recognizing that you're anxious, mm. giving yourself permission to say, I'm, I'm anxious about this. Mm. Why am I anxious about this? Are there external factors playing into this? Mm. What is the Spirit of God saying to me in my anxiety? Uh, what are the triggers? You know, is, mm. this, is there an insecurity here? Is there a, mm. is there a kind of pressing need? Is there a, an issue that remains dormant? Is mm. there something from my past? Um, and, and without getting into psychotherapy or anything, I, mm. I think, you know, contemplation, prayer, stillness, silence, listening to our hearts, you know, kind of opens up the unconscious and, and, and makes us more aware of what's going on in the inner workings of our lives. Not mm. just the anxieties and the, and the things mm. that might threaten us or mm. seek to overwhelm mm. us, but also gives us permission to, to own the joys, mm. uh, own, the, own, the, own the love, own the feelings mm. of you know, acceptance and value and, you know, just drawing on, on the love that God has for us. Mm. You know, I think we often, you know, 
my, my struggle at times with, with, with good evangelicals through the years is like, we preach grace and we preach about the unconditional love, mm. but I just meet so many flipping evangelicals and others <laughs> who just live guilt-ridden, shame <laughs> lives with this huge <laughs> amount of obligation upon them. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, that's not how a good father uh, yeah. kind of loves and cares for his children. So, it, Yes, it, there's a real mismatch, isn't it? There is a real mismatch. And uh, uh, yeah, gosh. And I put that down to the mixed messages we give people. Because on mm. the one hand, you do talk about grace and, mm-hmm. and, and stuff, and we preach about it. You know, but, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of other messages that that go that way to do with being committed and trying harder and doing and and also sit, uh, reminding you how sinful you are. That that actually there's an it is incongruous. It, it is incongruous. I mean, I don't know what you think about the doctrine of original sin, for example. But you know, trying to make that match mm-hmm. with. I am unconditionally loved by God is is actually quite a tricky bit of hermeneutical gymnastics. Well, where do you start? Do you yeah. start with yeah. I'm a worm, I'm a yeah. terrible sinner? Yeah. Or do you start with the fact that actually I'm somebody who's loved of God? Yeah, do you start where the Bible starts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I think often our traditions didn't start with that. I think they start with the worm. There's a problem, it needs fixing. Here's what's God what God's done. Well, you I'd, better I'd, believe it. Yeah, well, I blame Augustine, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of like, because yeah. everybody's experience wasn't his experience, you yeah. know, we weren't all kind of debauched as teenagers. Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, you see, I, I think there's so many things that play into this, and I, I'm, I'm not denying the importance of, of kind of doctrine, understanding, theology, love of God and all that, but... Um, it is kind of where you start other things play into it we live in a culture where mm. power and control is so important mm. and and i think sometimes there's a an unconscious unintended but sometimes in our preaching and teaching it's actually about controlling people it's mm. actually about getting people to line up to conform mm. and you know i, I don't know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> and, you know and the messages are are you know, subtle, sometimes yeah. the messages are, as I say, unintended. But mm. actually, we, we need to speak a lot more about, you know, when the cross is spoken about. Yeah. It, it, the cross to me is, is, is one part of the great act of yeah. redemption. Yeah. There's cross and resurrection. Yeah. I, I, if I had a campaign, I would, if I was in churches where there's a cross, I'd also want a symbol of the empty tomb. And yeah. I think we've put so much emphasis upon yes. cross and yeah. sacrifice and, and guilt and sin and yeah. shame and atonement and all the rest. And what we haven't done is emphasize sufficiently, you know, the resurrection, the freedom, the liberation, the, the true redemption, the new life it's that comes through Christ. Yeah. And I think it's in, yeah. in lots of things, it's, it's where do you put the emphasis? Yeah. I'm not denying the cross. I'm yeah. not denying sin. Yeah. But actually, let us begin with the love of God. Yeah. Let's yeah. begin with the, and let's continue yeah. with the love of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and let's not use the kind of cross as a means of kind of beating people up and inducing yeah. shame and guilt. And <laughs> it's, it's the very opposite of the good news. Oh, yeah. No, that's so good. So good. So l- let me describe a fictional listener to you. Let's say there's someone out there, they've, They've been in leadership of their church for maybe 20 years. They're a good, you know, home group leader and everything, but they're 
scratching their heads and maybe worse than that they just uh, you know they're in a bit of a crisis they don't know what they think they don't know what they, they wonder they're starting to question whether you know everything they believe is real uh, maybe they still believe in God in some form but they they don't know quite what God is or what would you say um, to people who are just in that kind of they're a bit worked up. They, they're going to church. They feel a little bit disillusioned or disenchanted mm-hmm. with it all. What, what would you say to them? Would you, is there any message of hope? <laughs> we can... just, it's just described just... hundreds of people that I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've not been there myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That's right. yeah. So that, that's that person. You've got to go to church this morning. You really must. Yeah. No, I don't want to go. No, but you're the minister. You don't go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, I... It's a hard place. I mean, we laugh, but actually it's a really hard place, oh, yeah. a really painful place. Um, but what I would encourage people to do is to actually be, be true and own up to themselves that actually this is the place that they're in. Mm. Uh, practical things, find a safe place where you can articulate the questions, the doubts, the fears. Mm. And, and that, that and might... That's uh, easier said than done, isn't it, sometimes? Well, it's easier said than done, and and there's there's different places and different means by which people can can find that safe place. We we haven't got we haven't got many safe places within our yeah. within our churches and Christian fellowships to where people can really own where they're at. Mm. Um, so sometimes for for church leaders, they have to find a place that's outside of their immediate context. Mm. And you know, I know a number of people, including myself. We found in early days, actually, I found monasteries and convents really helpful. Mm. I found people who understood the lang- what was going on in the landscape of my heart. Mm. And I also found them places of, of utter confidentiality. But for other people, and, and I also experienced this, I found good soul friends. People mm. who were not so concerned about their ministry, how the work was going, but concerned about my spiritual well-being. And, mm. you know, so you, whether you confessor figures or soul friends or, or a spiritual formation group mm. that actually, yeah, looks at the spiritual disciplines, but is actually a safe place for people to articulate and say, actually, can we just pause here? Because I don't know if I believe in this any mm. longer. Yeah. Um, th- th- this is not the cry of abandonment. This is the cry of a heart that is kind of saying, I, I, yeah. I want to go deeper. I want to explore faith. I want to... You know, what was, I mean, in my second pastorate, all those years ago, busy, charismatic, evangelical, you know, senior pastor doing all the stuff. And it just seemed so hollow. It just was empty for me. And, you know, an experience with with my younger son um, who came into the study one night and, you know, we went through all the gambit of questions. What do you want, Josh? You know, do we... uh, should we have a story on a food, mm. drink, this, that, and the other? No, Dad, I just want to be with you. And and God used that wow. experience to kind of profoundly impact and change not only my ministry but my life. Because I had I had substituted activity for God and running the church and doing all the stuff for actually relationship with God. Uh, and and then I I thought, where do I go with this? So. You know, I shared it with some of the folks who I was in ministry with, and because we're mm. charismatic evangelicals, they kind of prayed for me and, and ministered to me and yeah. came against my spirit of unbelief in the name of Jesus and, and all that nonsense. And uh, and, and, and well-meaning, because really well-meaning, yeah, yeah. people wanted the best for me. And then I I mean, I actually went to a, a, a conference and, uh, and listened to, mm. to somebody who had, had 
had written on this about prayer and seeking God. And then I realized actually he was somebody who'd written about prayer and seeking God, but actually didn't know what to do other mm. than write about it. So that was very disappointing. Mm. Uh, but I found within the monastic tradition, for me, mm. monastic tradition has really helped me because it, it's, it, it, it kind of embraces the spiritual disciplines that point you to that one thing necessary which is about seeking God, knowing God, loving God, loving neighbor, loving yourself. Um, mm. But but find people, find a safe place, find a safe mm. people with whom you can kind of articulate questions, fears, and and explore honest doubts. Mm. Wow, that's so good. Roy, thank you. That has been so good to have you. And I, I could talk to you forever, but you've got to go and speak uh, now. And, uh, right. and our time is done. So thank okay. you so much. Good Bless to be with you. you. Thank you. Cheers. Uh, well, that was um, that was brilliant. Um, Roy Searle uh, talking to our very own uh, Joe Davis. I thought it was really interesting stuff in there. What what oh. um, kinds of things particularly sort of struck you out of, out of that? Well, there was lots, but uh, I mean, I love this phrase: "the landscape of the heart." To me, mm. that is a phrase that just opens up. Uh, I, I suppose just opens up that the really big issue that needs talking about. I mean, especially for leaders and. Uh, it's not just exclusively leaders, but, you know, people really are questioning, you know, what is it all about? And, you know, and, and ministerial training is so, or was, I think it is a lot better. I must say this, and Spurgeon's, I know, do some brilliant stuff, which is where I trained. But, you know, it was incredible. And I took, you know, as you know, heard, I talked to him about, you know, how so much of the stuff that you learned about, I mean, it was fascinating learning about the chiastic structure of Isaiah and how it was written and many other but actually I didn't use that much in deacons meetings <laughs> what you found you needed was the ability to listen and or tell people to shut up yes which you didn't yes. get so much help with in actual fact one of the themes that came out of the interview for me was the idea of community mm. and friendship yes and yeah, yeah brilliant it's a thing that we mm. get asked a lot with the podcast is, you know, is there a group I can be part of? Is mm. there, you know, and um, I mean, I think we should put plans in place to form some kind of cult of some yes. kind, obviously. Um, obviously. But I think, you know, talking about sort of looking for something deeper with a bunch of friends, you know, mm. I, 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 I think it could be as simple as that. I talked about the Barley Brethren at the beginning mm, of the show. It could yeah, be yeah. as simple as just um, getting together with some friends, and I think it helps if you are like-minded in this. You know, I think yeah. if you're really going to open up with people, you probably it's probably not an open group in that sense. Yeah, sure. But getting together with a group of friends and just asking the questions, as he says, asking questions yeah. with friends and and discussing it. Um, yeah. yeah. And and that gives you that kind of space to step out of all the other parts yeah. of your life and just and have that. Yeah. I thought that, that that's yeah, very and, strong, and, really. and having started my own cult. Um, you mm. know, with some experience, you know, and we keep going through this. We just say, look, the deal with this is there's no one here with all the right answers. No one's here to prove they're right and other people are wrong. But we value one another and we listen to what each other have to say. And we're trying to, you know, we are trying to listen to the landscape of the heart. I think that's mm. that's mm. the point, really. Um, and it, when you create a safe environment, it, it just seems to be a place where people are more open to the divine i think that's how it works yeah i had those two think two kind of phrases in my mind when i was listening to it that uh, later on that we were saying um talking about soul friends 
and yeah. safe spaces. And I think if you can come together, if you can bring those two things together, soul friends and safe spaces, then you have a a, a group that can really help with spiritual formation. Yeah. You know, and really, really help take that yeah. um, forward. But I mean, um, the other thing is just that um, uh, there's a lot in 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 what he was saying about withdrawing ourselves from this um, consumer-based faith, from the, the faith mm. that is pressurised yeah, to deliver. Yeah. Uh, I think this is a theme that, that we've picked up a lot in the podcast in terms mm. of people's, um, you know, in terms of church and all this kind of stuff, that, that, that it's yeah. all about delivery of things, you know, and, and achieving yeah. aims. Yeah. And, and there's a place for that. Of course there's a place for that. Mm. Um, but I think sometimes you have to just step back from that and... and Give yourself space away from the expectations and the demands, really. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, I loved what he said about the um, the cross and the empty tomb because those are the yes. two sides, and, and yeah. that is, you know, all the time we, you know, we, we I grew up in churches where the cross was emphasised. Yeah. And you had to come to the foot of the cross, and yeah. you know, do it's that it. it's that vampire Christianity thing, isn't it? We need the blood. We need the blood. Yes, for forgiveness, yes. and, and the resurrection just but, becomes this kind of happy ever after. But you do, yes. almost didn't really need the resurrection; you just needed the death. Yes, yeah, yeah the vampire thing. Yes, you yeah. need the blood, but stay away from the light. You yeah. know, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and I always think when I when I think about that, I think about the. Um, it's interesting that the the church in Jerusalem, which is the tra- the traditional mm-hmm. site of Jesus's um, death and burial, in the Western tradition is to call it uh, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. Mm. Whereas the Eastern tradition, they call it the Church of the Anastasis, which means resurrection. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of concentrate yeah. on the tomb. It's the Church yes. of the Tomb. They're concentrating on the Church of the the Life, you know, Church yeah, of the, it's really the Resurrection, it's, the Empty it's, Tomb. It's a subtle difference, but it is a significant difference. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's yeah. just about that hopefulness and that yeah. uh, sense of life. Great stuff. Really good. Well, I hope that's inspired. Oh, talk, something else that occurred during that. You used the phrase in that interview, hermeneutical gymnastics. <laughs> I wondered if you'd is spot this, that. <laughs> is this something you have actually done? Because uh, well, I would like uh, to... Not, not since the, the, I'd put my back out, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, is I, that what you go down the beach and do? I do. I do like, like to do them. It's yeah. like rhythmic gymnastics, Regularly. but with a Bible in one hand and a commentary. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> a large King James he's, Bible. He's going I to use. attempt a, a, a backflip with a triple exegesis. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be great. Um, okay. Yeah, that was really good. And uh, I think what we should do is maybe uh, in in future episodes start to talk a bit more precisely about the disciplines. We haven't really done that. Yet. No, we haven't, and we but must. Different. No, I'd really um, like to do that. Disciplines. Yeah. So on that starting note, with hermeneutical gymnastics. I yes, think. but on that note, can I say okay. if you are interested in those kind of things, I mean seriously, the spiritual disciplines that will enable you to you know deal with life. Um, again, I just want to plug renovarelife.org. Come come along on the twenty fourth of November. You're all invited, everyone. Hmm. Uh, all five of you listeners are invited yes. to come along. Uh, to Westminster Central Hall that day. But also, um, please do feedback. You know, what, what struck you about the interview? What was helpful? Uh, write to joe at midfaithcrisis.org as ever. Mm. And we'd yes. love to hear from you. And thank you for all of you who do write in. We really appreciate it. Yes, we are constantly amazed that anyone wants to um, get in touch with us. Yeah. But, uh, but it's lovely when they do. It Great. Is. Well, I, I, think, I don't think we um, have time for any more. So I think we should, uh, yes. we should have a near ending. Yes, and uh, 
and we'll oh and don't forget the week we should talk about the week a bit more we should yeah because i don't think you can book it yet that you know i promise i will let you know when you can book it but you do need to mark it out of your diaries june the 25th to the 29th 2018 for the week for the bewildered in beautiful blended it's not called that in the brochure no, I think it's because, called navigating your mid-faith crisis, but we're going to call it that. Yes, because I think they probably felt that a week for a be- week for the bewildered might either not work or attract the wrong kind. <laughs> be like a care home yeah. of some kind, which is what it is. It anyway, is. and Ethel, sad old person, will almost certainly be there. Yeah, she yes, yeah, she likes nothing better than a cold swim off the beach at. <laughs> Linmouth. Anyway, okay, great. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with, um, I don't know, something else. More rubbish. More rubbish <laughs> uh, with a vaguely spiritual dimension. Um, so thanks very much for listening and yeah. uh, look after yourselves. Yeah, that's it. <laughs>